service this morning, I mentioned that we're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount for this week and the next two weeks. And even more specifically, we're going to be talking about the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, a section of God's Word that people have given this interesting title. They've called it the Beatitudes. And if you have a, a service folder in front of you, you see it on the page there, and it's not, it's not the Beatitudes, which is what I thought for a long time, because I thought maybe, you know, they're so beautiful. But no, it's the, it's the Beatitudes, which is just... Uh, a really long-standing church word that means the blessings. And so it, it's, it's hard to argue with that name because as you read through the Beatitudes, nine times in a row, Jesus says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And uh, the Beatitudes are so, so rich and so full of meaning that we're going to spend these next three weeks focusing on them. We're not just going to go through them all today. This morning, we'll just go through the first three of those Beatitudes. So we'll read those from Matthew chapter 5. And as I read, obviously, listen to the words of Jesus themselves, but also pay attention to who he speaks those words to, and we'll come back to that in just a few minutes. So we read from Matthew chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And this, too, is God's word. So you see it on the screen there. Obviously, blessed is going to be our buzzword. It's going to be our key word to look at as we study these Beatitudes. And, you know, that's a, that's a word that, that we still use in our daily lives, I think, a fair amount. Maybe some of you even have a decoration like this somewhere in your house, or you've seen one. Um, but why is that? Why, why do we like this word blessed? Why do we hang it up on our walls? I remember back when, when hashtags were a big thing, there's a lot of hashtag blessed that got uh, tagged on the end of those social media posts. But, but why is that? Why do we use that word blessed? Very often, right, it's because things are going well. Maybe not every second of every day, but if you say, I'm blessed, you're really saying, I'm content. I'm, I'm happy for what I have. Maybe that's often how we use that word. Whether what we have is you know, our faith, whether what we have is the roof over our head, or the job that helps us provide, or our loved ones, or whether what we have is you know, some, some material blessing, some you know, new car, whatever it is, you can say, I'm blessed. But generally, blessed, we're happy for what we have. And when Jesus uses that word blessed, it's honestly not all that different of a meaning that, that Jesus is meaning. To, to be blessed, to be a blessed believer is to be happy for what we have through faith. To be blessed is to have this, this underlying joy that is so much bigger than the ups and downs of life, that is not dependent on those ups and downs of life. But did you notice, Jesus is not talking about people who feel blessed. He is talking about people who are blessed. This is not something that's up for debate. And if you, if you picked out who he's talking to, he's, he's speaking to his disciples. So that means, and this is, really, this is really important for us, that means that Jesus is speaking to believers here. So this is not him saying, this is not Jesus saying, this is what you need to do to become blessed or to become a believer, but he's saying this is what believers already are. The, the Beatitudes are not a how-to manual for how to become blessed, 
but they're more like, you know, the, that, that cover art that we have on the, on the bulletins this morning. They're more like this beautiful picture that Jesus paints of the blessedness of believing in him. And so maybe this will come as a little bit of a surprise to you, but Jesus says that if you believe in him as your savior, he says that you are poor in spirit and you mourn and you are meek. And Jesus says, because you are all of those things, because you are all of those things, you are blessed. Now, I've been told that I'm a relatively cheerful guy, um, that I have a smile on my face a lot of the time, so I don't want this to sound like a mixed message coming from me when I say that all of us, all of us are these kind of sad-sounding words, these kind of downtrodden adjectives that, that maybe at face value we don't want a whole lot to do with poor in spirit and mourn and meek. And yet Jesus says that is what all of us are. And not only does he say that, he also says that that is a good thing, that we are blessed because we are those things. And so how do we make sense of that? You know, if blessed means something close to happy, it's almost like Jesus is saying, happy are the sad. I mean, how do we make sense of this? Well, once again, Jesus is speaking to believers in this sermon, and he's talking about spiritual characteristics. And so to be poor in spirit, well, it's to be spiritually poor. It's to live in in spiritual poverty, to be spiritually broke and, and spiritually bankrupt, and to know that we have nothing that we can offer God to make him favor us, to, to let us into heaven because of what we have. You know, if, if we would have to go to the negotiating table with God and he'd say, all right, right here I have your salvation. Here's your ticket to heaven right here. What do you have to offer me for it? I mean, we could try our best. We could, we could drag along our suitcase full of all the good things we've ever done in our life and we could dump that all out on the table. But God's gonna say, I'm sorry, I can't accept this. None of this is worth anything because perfection is that price that God sets to get into heaven, right? And all that any of us can offer is this tarnished track record. And that's all that anyone can offer, but, but really only believers understand that, right? Only, only people who, who know God's law can really recognize how spiritually bankrupt they are. Because God's law stares us in the face and God says, put me first, put everyone else second, and put yourself last. And then we, when we hold our, ho- our own hearts up for comparison to that, is that what we see? Is that what we see? Or do we see a, a constant, never-ending drive to, to do what's best for me and to look out for my well-being and to, to surround myself and my life with the things that I think make me the most blessed. And yet when we do see that law, and we do recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt and we have nothing to offer God, well, that, that tears us to pieces a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, it, it leaves us broken to hear that we are, we are so spiritually broke before God. And doesn't it then cause us to mourn? cause us to mourn over our sins and to grieve over the the state of our souls and the spiritual condition that we're in. 
And not only does it cause us to mourn over our own sins, but it causes us to mourn about the sins of the world around us and the, the effects that a world full of sinners has on God's perfect creation. You know, pastors try really hard to think of the, the best illustration to explain sections of God's word, but sometimes, sometimes Jesus gives the best illustrations that we can't possibly top. Jesus told a parable once that is a great illustration for these, these first three beatitudes, these broken beatitudes. Jesus talked about a, a tax collector, an outcast of society, who most people probably would have said doesn't even deserve God's forgiveness. And Jesus said this tax collector went, went into God's house and he was so ashamed of his, his shortcomings before God that he wouldn't even look up to heaven as he prayed. He just said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what it looks like to be spiritually bankrupt and spiritually broken and, and to mourn over our sins. That's what it looks like to to turn away from sin in repentance, to say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Which sometimes at the start of the service, we, we actually say those, those exact words from that, from that tax collector, from that parable. And the Bible says that Jesus told that parable, he told that story to a bunch of people who were confident of their own goodness. And so because of that, they looked down on everybody else. And so Jesus knew that these people needed, they needed a spiritual wake-up call. They needed a spiritual attitude adjustment, and they needed to realize that what Jesus says to us in our, in our text this morning is so true, that it's not blessed are those who, who condescend on others and, and think that they, they deserve more from God than everybody else. No, it's, it's blessed are the meek, is what Jesus said. And maybe meek is the, the word on that list that we use the least out of all these, um, but meek does not mean what we might sometimes think. Meek does not mean to be a wimp, or meek does not mean to be a doormat. But, but really what meek means, and what Jesus, what Jesus means when he says, blessed are the meek, is, to be meek is to live out this, this Bible verse. Where in, in the book of Philippians, God says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. So do you see how these three broken beatitudes kind of tie together a little bit? When we see God's law and when we recognize that we have nothing to offer God and we can't live up to his requirements, we know that we're spiritually bankrupt. We are, we are spiritually broken and we mourn over that fact. And that leaves us to just, all we can do is to, to crawl on our hands and knees to God and like that tax collector say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then to know, like we already said this morning, to know that he does do exactly that. That he does have mercy on us sinners. That leaves us to live, to live lives that are, that are meek. To know that God gives me forgiveness when I don't deserve it. How could I ever withhold that forgiveness from someone else? Or how could I ever treat those around me with something other than love when that's all that God has ever shown to me? So to be meek is to be humble and gentle and kind and compassionate and caring and really to, to be meek is to live a life of love toward others, the love that God first showed to all of us. And so there you have it. That is the wisdom of Jesus, that those who are spiritually 
broke and those who mourn over their sins and those who live those meek, humble lives. That's who's blessed, Jesus says. That's the wisdom of Jesus. And man, I really think the world around us and let's face it, our, our own sinful hearts often looks at that wisdom of Jesus and says, all right, good luck. If you really live like that, you're not going to get anywhere in life. And maybe, maybe there is a shred of truth to that. Maybe if all you care about is yourself and all you look out for is your own well-being, maybe you might be able to achieve a little more for yourself, at least humanly speaking. And yet, where would that leave you? Someday you would stand at that negotiating table with God and you'd stand there empty-handed and you'd stand there all alone. And yet believers know that we will stand there someday and we will not stand there alone. We'll stand there with, with Jesus beside us or maybe even with Jesus in front of us and he's gonna say to God, all right, give them their tickets into heaven because I already paid the price for it. When God gives us faith in Jesus, one of the things, one of the blessings he gives us along the way is that the change in perspective that allows us to, to look at God's law and see that we are broken, we are spiritually broken. But then, in faith, we leave all the repairing up to God. And what a, what a massive sigh of relief we can breathe to know that God is the one who can and who does fix all of our brokenness. I had the, the blessed sign up on the screen earlier. I don't know, have you ever seen one of these signs? The Dad's Fix-It Shop. There's a whole bunch of, of different ones, but... You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it is broke, take it to dad. And doesn't a kid believe that, honestly? Broken toys, shattered glass, not a big deal if you know someone who can fix it. And when I was a little kid, I had a, a guy that I thought could fix everything. He was a, an, an older guy from my church, and he could build anything. He could fix anything. I called him Mr. Dave. And I, I, I went to him one time and I said, Mr. Dave, can, can you build me a, a wooden treasure chest? So he builds me this beautiful treasure chest. And I, of course, fill it up with treasure. And then, obviously, dug a hole in the ground and buried it. And then a few days later, I dug it back up and put a couple divots in it with the shovel along the way. Then I brought it back to him, all dirty and all beat up. I said, here you go, Mr. Dave. Could you fix this? Could you fix this for me, please? And he did. And quite honestly, it never even crossed my mind that there was anything that he couldn't fix. Doesn't every Christian know someone like that too? And we can, we can walk into God's fix-it shop, and yet we can bring him our, our broken hearts. We can bring him our broken relationships. But most importantly, we can bring God our broken souls and it never even needs to cross our mind the thought of, can God really handle this? Jesus says that this is why broken believers are blessed, because we have access to God's spiritual repair. We have access to that message of forgiveness that God gives to us in his word. You know, we've spent a lot of time focusing on the first half of these, these broken beatitudes, but the second half of them is where where God's promise is, the second half is where God's repair is. 
Jesus says, blessed are the spiritually poor, the spiritually bankrupt, because God gives them the whole kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn over their sins because God gives them comfort. He gives them the forgiveness of those sins. And blessed are those who live meek and humble lives because of that forgiveness. Because God's going to give them the greatest inheritance. He provides for them in this life and in heaven. He gives them more than they could ever ask or imagine. And just like those, those broken words are kind of all tied together. So, so are all of these repairs and these promises. And Jesus doesn't just give us short-term fixes. And maybe sometimes we think that's what we might want. You know, I don't really care. Just, I just want my, my hurt and my brokenness to go away as soon as possible. And yet, Jesus doesn't just slap some duct tape on our spiritual problems, on, our, on all of our problems, and, and, and call it good enough. Jesus gives us the long-term the long-term solutions to our problems. He says, yours is the whole kingdom of heaven. And if you think back to, you know, the way kings in the ancient world would reward people if they wanted, if they had made them happy, they'd say, ask me for anything that you want up to half my kingdom, and it's yours. Well, Jesus gives you the whole thing. And maybe sometimes God's kingdom seems a little backwards to us. Because he says the last will be first and the first will be last. And he says that the spiritually broke who show up to God's kingdom with absolutely nothing to offer, can't pay the price of admission, but who cling with all their might to the cross of Jesus. God says those are the people that in his kingdom get showered with spiritual riches. And that's our comfort too, isn't it? To know that, that when we mourn over our sins, God promises he will never leave you in that sadness. He will, he will lift you up with his gospel and he will restore you with the forgiveness that Jesus gives. I think of the, the famous verse, the verses from Psalm 51. You know, King David was, was broken over his sin in a way that maybe some people will never, will never know. He was so broken over his sin and he said, have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love. And at the end of that psalm, David says, a broken and a contrite heart is something that God will never despise. But he washes away all your iniquity, and he cleanses you from, from all your sin. That's the, the blessings of being spiritually broken, to know that Jesus gives us his repair. And so that's, that changes the way we live our lives, doesn't it? It, it makes us want to get together here on Sunday mornings to, to celebrate that fact. And it makes us want to tell those around us what we know about Jesus so that they can have that same spiritual repair that we do. Because only, only God's love looked at a world full of broken sinners with nothing worth fixing and wanted to put us back together anyway. And so that is the wisdom of Jesus, or that is at least part one of the wisdom of Jesus. But it's not like the wisdom of the rest of the world. It's not, it's not how to live to get ahead, because then, then Jesus' message would be no different from anyone else's, right? And his whole point is that he is different, and that, that you and I are different. 
how and why the life of a believer is so blessed. Because we know that we're broken. And we know that it's only Jesus that can put us back together. And there, there's peace in that. There's contentment in that. To not live life constantly striving, hoping maybe someday to be enough for God, but to know that right now you are enough for God because Jesus has made you enough. So Jesus says that is why broken believers are blessed. Broken believers are blessed because they know their need for a Savior. Jesus says blessed are those who know their brokenness and know their need for a Savior. And so blessed are you. Blessed are you because you know and you believe that everything you've broken and everything you lack is everything that Jesus repairs. And that's everything that Jesus gives to you. Jesus says, blessed are you. Amen. Now the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard and keep